Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday sermon series, Different. God has called us to live in such a way that honors Him. We're not supposed to embrace the principles of the world, but live from the standards set by God's Word. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. Are you blessed out there this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that today. And so we're, we're glad you're here this morning. We had a wonderful time in our earlier service. And again, we want to welcome all of you. You guys came to the 11 o'clock. You guys are cool. Uh, we just started our series, Different Say Different. And so last Sunday, we talked about being different. And as believers in Christ, we are to be different. We have a different passion. We have different values. Am I right? We have a different use of our time, and we have a different use of our resources. So when you're in Christ Jesus, you are a different person. You're supposed to be. Supposed to be a different type of parent, different type of spouse, a different coworker. Am I right? So God is calling us to be different. And so I'm going to minister on that, but I believe the Lord will help us today. But I kind of want to remind you what I talked about last, uh, last Sunday. And I talked about how Paul the Apostle encourages us to put on the mind of Christ. And he said this in 1 Corinthians 2.16. He said, we can understand these things because now we have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? We begin to think like Jesus we begin to live like Jesus, and we begin to walk like Jesus. How do we do that? We begin to get Christ's perspective. And how do we know what his perspective is? How do we know what Christ would do? Well, you look in the word of God, and you'll see the way Jesus lived and the way he thought and the way he, he lived his life is a pattern for all of us to follow. And when we do that, you'll begin to see that Christ will begin to change you and you'll be different. Hallelujah. So having the mind of Christ and being in Christ, you can understand your identity. There's a term in the Bible over and over in the New Testament. It says in Christ. And what that means is that we take on Christ's identity. We become hidden in Christ. Let me read you a scripture here out of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Say new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So when you're in Christ, you're not the old self anymore. You're a new creation. And the old things have passed away, and now you become new. And then the Bible says in Galatians 3.26, For you are all sons of God through faith, what? In Christ Jesus. So Paul is speaking, again, using the term in Christ, reminding all of us this morning that we have a new identity when you're in Christ. God puts a new God-given identity on you because you begin to embrace the things of God and you begin to walk in a new identity. Let me read you a story that I just read the other night. It's a true story. And you have maybe you have read many stories like that, at least probably heard a few stories. I hope it's never happened to you, but I'm going to read you this story about this particular a retired nurse. Her name was Helen 
Anderson. And so this retired nurse named Helen Anderson flew uh, over to visit her daughter, who was very sick. And she put her niece in charge of her home. And she said, listen, I need you to house it, uh, basically house it my home while I go visit my daughter. And she uh, was very adamant with her niece. She said, well, I'm gone. I don't want you to bring any friends over to the house. How many parents have ever done that? And so she's telling her niece, I don't want any friends over while I go visit my house or visit my daughter. But unfortunately, when Helen returned home, she found her niece home with a friend. And she had a friend by the name of Alice Lipsky that stood there. So Helen asked Alice to leave and didn't think much of it. But it turns out that Alice was an expert identity thief and a meth addict. Man, how do you get those two? And so after Alice had uh, stolen mail and receipts from Helen's home, she completely took over Helen's identity, withdrawing money from her existing bank account, opening new credit cards. She even signed up for the credit monitoring service so she could view all of Helen's entire credit history. Alice reported every inactive card on Helen's credit history as lost or stolen so she could get new cards, new usernames, and passwords. She locked Helen out of her own accounts. All of Helen's mail were now being sent to Alice's house. It finally caught up with this girl named Alice, and she left her purse at a, a Macy's department store. She was, she was shopping up there now, but she, lost her, she left her purse there, and she was charged with 10 counts of identity theft. Her and her friend had stolen from people over $1 million using the information of other people. When they interviewed the retired nurse named Helen, who was a victim, she said this, here's one thing that you learn only after identity theft happens to you. You vanish. So thorough was Alice's intrusion that Helen found herself arguing with bank officers over personal details in her old jobs, addresses, and mother's maiden name. She said, I couldn't prove who I was because Alice could prove it easier that I could. I felt like I was a non-human being. Now, I don't know if you've ever met anyone that's experienced this or if it's ever happened to you, but this is the tragedy of someone stealing your identity. And so why am I using this today as an analogy? Why am I using this today as an example? Because I want you to see the similarities. This person is not the only one who has had their identity stolen. I'm not talking about the natural identity theft. I'm talking about spiritual identity theft. There's a lot of us in this room today that you don't realize your identity has been stolen. Because when you read the story, if you read the details of the story, again, I've only given you a sample of the story. She didn't know when her identity was stolen how long her identity stolen. She had no idea of what the consequences might bring. And you and I naturally may not know this, uh, but I want you to know spiritually it's possible to have your identity stolen and not know it until you face the consequences. And so I want to share with you this today about being different that God wants to give you 
a new identity, but I want to say to you that there's someone that is trying to steal your identity right now. Some of you today don't even realize it, but your identity has been stolen. The Bible says this in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So I'm going to pray. Are you ready for this? Let's pray that God would pour out life right now. Father, in this place, help us to live the abundant life. Help us to live life to the fullest. Father, today we bind the enemy, the thief. He the liar. God, he the deceiver today. God, I pray today that your people would learn how to live a full life, full of zeal, full of joy, full of power. God, I pray today, God, that they would not just exist, but they'll begin to live. And, and so, Father, I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. See, if we're not careful, we could be like the walking dead. You're walking and it seemed like you're alive, but you don't have the power in the presence of God in your life. Notice what Jesus says about the enemy. The Bible describes him as a thief. We're able to see the activity of the enemy through his name. If you want to know who the devil is, just begin to read his name. His name tells you everything. The Bible says he's a liar. Not only is he a liar, he's the father of lies. He's the inventor of lies. The Bible says he's the deceiver. The Bible says that he's the tempter, that he's the accuser. Jesus specifically calls him thief. Say thief. He's the robber. He's out to steal. He's not just any kind of thief. He's a professional thief. How many know someone that's been a thief? How many been a thief? Don't lift your hand. He's a strategic thief. He's a strategist. He just doesn't steal anything. He steals those very vital things in your life. He's strategic in what he attempts to steal. There are areas, friend, that he wants to rob you from because he wants to rob you of your true God-given identity. God has the God-given identity for your life, and he wants to rob you of that identity. See, the enemy knows, listen to me, the enemy knows that we will always behave in the way that we consistently see ourselves. The way you consistently see yourself is how you're going to behave. And many times this morning, the reason why you don't see yourself right is because you see yourself wrong. Or you don't do right, you see yourself wrong. Basically, this morning, it's how you see yourself. It's what's going to decide whether you're going to do the right thing. See, you can't live right if you see yourself wrong. If you're seeing yourself in the wrong way. How many understand today, just because you know your name doesn't mean you know who you really are. You may know when you were born. You may know when you were born. You may know where you were born. But it doesn't necessarily mean you know who you are. The only person that can positively identify you, the only person this morning that can accurately say who you are is the one that created you. He is God. He's the one that can give you your true identity. And I came to tell you today that the enemy wants to rob us of our God-given identity and he does it not by not by by uh, this morning not by giving us no identity but he gives us he does rob us of our identity by putting us putting on us the wrong identity 
He misplaces your identity and puts the wrong identity on you. And you think you're, you think you're somebody else. Are you listening to me? Because of all the accusations and all the things that he puts on you. See, though, if you, if you see many of us that say, well, I don't see myself low. I don't see myself. I don't put down myself. But, friend, if you don't see yourself the way God sees you, you're seeing yourself wrong. And one of the ways the enemy does that is he misplaces our identity, causing us to draw our, our identity from the wrong places. You are drawing your identity from the wrong place today. And so one of the ways that the enemy begins to attack us and really cause us not to be different but to be the same is the enemy uses our issues. Say issues. Everybody that's honest in this place, how many would admit that you have some issues? Say amen, amen. or oh me, right? Now your neighbor didn't say anything because this part of the sermon doesn't apply to them. But to the rest of us that know we have issues, am I right? Issues with an S, right, with an exclamation point. We know that God's still working on us, that God is still molding us, that God is still in the process. Now, the rest of these perfect people, God bless you. But, but we, you know, this morning, let me just say this. We may have issues that doesn't mean that issues have us. Just because they're in us doesn't mean they own us this morning. And the enemy wants us to identify ourselves by our flaws. He wants us to identify ourselves by the labels and imperfections that he, they put on us. It means we're allowing, this morning, we're allowing the enemy to determine who we are by what we've done. We're allowing the enemy this morning to basically allow the worst in us to define the best of us. Are you listening to me? It's when we define our whole life story based on one chapter how many know you can't understand the whole book if you only read the first chapter and lots of times this morning that's how people try to read us they only read the first chapter let me just say to those that are judging you you need to keep reading because God is not finished with us can you say amen and God is not through with you and I. The enemy wants us to uh, uh, identify ourselves with our issues. And so we become the labels that people put on us rather than the name that God has placed on us today. Number two, are you ready for this? The enemy wants to use other people's opinions to identify you. Last week, I talked about being a people pleaser. We can't be a people pleaser. We need to be a, a God pleaser. Last week I talked about how many are here for God and not people. How many are here for God and not people? Okay, that's good. But if we're here for God and not people, why do people leave because of people? You're here for, for God, not people. So why are you letting people throw you out of the church and their opinions? And so here's what the devil does. He, 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 he basically what happens is he uses other people's opinion to identify you. This is when we allow, listen to me, this is when we allow the voice of others to have more value than the voice of God. When we give other people's opinion, when we elevate their opinion about us above God. 
And so what we're doing is unconsciously we are anointing and empowering the voice of someone else to be bigger than the voice of God. How can you define me if you didn't create me? How can you define me if you didn't make me? I'm going to quote the great Mabel Simmons. How many know who Mabel Simmons is? Medea, that's right. So I'm going to read a Medea quote. The way Medea would say it, so don't get all racial on me, right? I'm just going to, I'm acting, okay? This is all acting, all right? How would Medea say this? She said, honey, folks are going to talk about you to the day you die. Ain't nothing you're going to do. Let folks talk. I ain't about, it ain't about what they call you. It's what you answer to. It's not about what they call you. It's what you answer to. See, how are you letting people's uh, uh, opinion define your name or define who you are? See, God has exclusive naming rights. Can you say amen? It's just like us today. Let me just tell you something about naming rights. Naming rights are the result of a transaction where a person purchases power to name or rename an entity, a building, or a thing. It would just be like if you went to a pet store. And you went and you bought a dog, you bought a puppy, you have now purchased the naming rights to name that dog whatever you want to name him. It's not what the pet store tells you to name him. You now purchase, it doesn't matter what they called that dog before you purchased it, but once you purchased that dog, you have naming rights to call that dog whatever you feel like calling him. If you buy a building and they have a name outside that building, once you purchase that building, you could change the name on the building. In fact, the name on this building years ago used to be Moose Lodge. But friend, we got naming rights and now it's Praise Chapel. Are you with me? In fact, when you guys go to the cafe, that used to be the bar area. That's where they used to, you know, do their thing. Anyway, thank God there's naming rights. So the person who paid the price reserves the right to call or name it the way they see it. And today you've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. You've been redeemed. Your heavenly father has naming rights over you. He can name you today. He can identify you. And the great illustration of this is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 36. This is the story of a woman by the name of Rachel. She was giving birth to her son. And the Bible said it was a very, very hard, hard labor. Now, most of you women are saying that have had babies that every labor is hard. But this particular labor that this woman, Rachel, was going through was going to cost her her life. And as she is losing her life, she is giving birth to this baby. And the Bible says uh, as soon as the baby is born uh, and she's losing her life, they ask her, what shall we name him? And right before she dies, she says, Ben-Onai. The meaning of his name is son of my sorrow or son of my pain. She named him son of my sorrow because she was giving birth while she was losing her life in the anguish of pain. She named him according to the season 
in her life. And there have some been some people in your life today because they are dying. They're calling you sorrow. They're calling you pain. They're calling you in their sorrow. They're dying. They're not thriving. And let me just say to you today, people hurt people hurt other people because they're calling you names because they're dying. But thank God the word, the name Ben-Onai did not stick. Because the Bible says that Rachel's husband, Jacob, walked in the room. And he said, what did she name him? And they said, Ben-Onai. And the Bible said, Jacob said, oh, wait a minute. Ben-Onai, he goes, oh, no, said I. He said, basically, he's not going to be Ben-Onai. He's going to be Benjamin, meaning son of my right hand. He's going to be son of blessing today. He goes, I'm not going to let that name go on. And I want to say to you today, there's probably been a Rachel in your life that has called you all kinds of names. But let me just say to you that your heavenly father has naming rights and he wants to give you a true identity of who you really are. So let me just pray. Are you ready? Lift your hand. Let me pray over somebody right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you have naming rights right now. Father, I pray you would silence all of the negative voices, Lord, that have been speaking over people since their childhood. Lord, maybe there's some in their, in their failure. Others have spoken things. God, you would mute the voice of the accuser today. And God, your voice would be louder than any other voice they've ever heard. God, you're calling people into destiny, not their history. And someone today, if you believe that, say praise God. Praise God. I believe that today. This is why God's word is so powerful. Listen to me. Some of you come today, and when you hear the preaching, you really don't engage because you don't understand the power of God's word. You don't understand what the preacher is trying to do when he communicates his word. You're, it can easily just bounce off you or everything. It could go from one ear to that, one ear and out the other. You could be here but not really be here. Are you with me this morning? You could be here, but you could be on your phone. You could be looking at your Instagram and tweeting. See, some of you right now, you're feeling guilty. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. You're not engaged in the Word of God. You don't understand the power of preaching. Let me just show you something. There's some power in God's Word. It's trying to give you some identity. What do I mean by that? Look at what the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well for I am watching over my word to perform it. So the Bible says that God watches over his word. He is guiding his word to perform exactly what he said. In other words, this morning, God is saying that his word is more than just education. His word is more than just information. It's manifestation. God wants to manifest his word in you, and there's something powerful that happens. Look at what Isaiah 55, 11 says. It says, God's word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish what he sent it to do and prosper the thing wherein he sent it. In other words, when God speaks, he's declaring what he wants to do. 
Did you hear me? When God's word speaks, he's declaring what he wants to do. So in the preaching moment, God today wants to do something in you through the word of God. And basically this morning, as a pastor, as a preacher, I'm trying to elevate your level of faith. So friend, it doesn't become just a general word, but it becomes a personal word where you claim the promise for yourself and it begins to transform you somebody say amen i'm preaching better than you're clapping but that's okay i'm I'm gonna pray today that god's word would engage you because i want to just tell you today god's word is bigger than you understand if you'll take possession of it if you'll begin to hold on to the promises all of those negative voices will be silenced by god's word can you say amen number three he uses the devil uses our experiences to rob us of our identity. See, a lot of us this morning, we want to be different. We don't know how. And he uses your past experiences to rob you of your identity. So this is when people identify themselves in every season of their life by a previous season. In other words, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life today, you always identify yourself by another season. It's like your life is like a museum, and you're just going over the same old thing that you used to do. No matter what new thing God is doing, no matter what new thing God is doing around you, you always identify yourself by a previous season in your life. You become a museum. Are you listening to me? You basically this morning are like a, a caterpillar. Are you with me? And this caterpillar this morning is basically man crawling its whole life. And God wants, to give you, God wants to give you wings. But what's happening is we just become a faster caterpillar rather than a butterfly. And so you crawl around in your old identity rather than God wanting to transform you into a new identity. Somebody say amen. God wants to transform you into a new identity. See, what the church is here to do today, let me just prophesy over this over you today. God is basically the church wants to introduce people to their prophetic destiny, not what people have labeled you, not what people have said about you. We want to introduce you to your future, not your past. Can you say amen? You're not the same person. At least you're not supposed to be. You're supposed to be different. We're trying to introduce you to your prophetic destiny. But you still want to be a caterpillar. And God's trying to transform you into a butterfly. You still want to crawl around in your own identity. When God's trying to move you on so that you can fly places and go places and do things. Uh, Don't settle for second best. There are so many people. Let me just tell you, they want to settle for second best. When we prophesy, we want to prophesy into your future. We want to prophesy God's best. We want to introduce you to God's identity, that you can walk in a new identity. You could be a new you. You don't have to be an old you. You can be a new you today. Hallelujah. So who are you today? Who are you supposed to be? See, some of you this morning, you're walking around with a false identity. You don't even know when you lost it. You don't even know that somebody's robbed you of it. You come to church and you're the same person you were yesterday, the day before. There's no difference in your life. When when is it finally going to catch? When are you finally going to catch it? 
when are you finally going to have an aha moment? And say, you know what? Maybe I ought to start applying some of the stuff I'm hearing in my life. Maybe I ought to start raising my level of faith and believing God's word because what I'm doing is not working and it won't work for you. You'll be a, a, a museum over and over again. I just felt like some of you needed to hear that again. First Peter 2.9, it says this. Look at what God says about you. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I mean, that sounds good already. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of, out of darkness into his marvelous light or wonderful light. So the Bible says, you, you wonder, some of you people say, why are they praising God? Because they are chosen, because they are priesthood, because they belong to the family of God. They're declaring the praises of God. You know why you're not declaring them? Because you're still a caterpillar. You're still crawling around in your own identity. Once you were not a people, but now you're a people today. Or you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the Bible is declaring to you now, number one, we've been chosen. Say chosen. Bible says we're a royal priesthood. Say royal. Talking about royalty, real royalty. Not like England. Man, that's fake royalty. I'm talking about real royalty. It says you're holy. Say holy. And it says you belong. You're belonging to God. Say I belong. And the Bible says you have received mercy. Say mercy. Mercy is what we don't deserve. Are you listening to me? Giving us what we don't deserve. Man, we don't deserve mercy, but God, out of his grace, out of his kindness, has given you mercy. The first thing I want to say to you is that we've been chosen and accepted. Can you say amen? Some of the deepest wounds come when we have been rejected. And many of us this morning, you have experienced rejection. You've experienced rejection from family. You've experienced rejection maybe on the job, maybe from some of your friends. And none of us likes rejection. We are yearning for acceptance. This is why we try to be somebody that we're not on Instagram and social media so that we could try to be accepted. We're looking for acceptance in all the wrong places. It should start with God. But it starts with people. Let me just tell you, people are going to let you down. The pain of not being chosen is always very painful. Have you ever been in the playground? And I'll just be honest, I've been there where, where you were the last one to get picked. And the only reason why you got picked, there was no one else. You ever had that? You ever play basketball and they, they, you're just trying to, you know, trying to, hey, bro. And, and they act like they didn't see you. Oh, I didn't see you, bro. I didn't know you were there. They saw you. You just getting picked. You didn't get picked. It's rejection. You know what I'm talking about. But, man, when you're chosen, doesn't it feel good? Man, when you're chosen, when you got the promotion, when somebody gives you a shout-out, when somebody recognizes you, when your husband or your wife, they chose you. I mean, the good news is this today, that God accepts you. He chooses you. He never rejects you. This is where it needs to start right here. God has chosen you. And here's the great thing. God chose you before, your, before even the world began. Look at what it says in Ephesians 1.4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world 
to be holy and blameless in his sight by his love. Just think about that for a moment. Before anything was created, before the solar system, before the earth, the world, anything was created, the Bible says uh, he already chose you. You were chosen way back. You've been accepted. Can you say amen? And the fact the Bible says that Jesus has made us acceptable. Look at Titus 3, 7. Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. We're trying to chase acceptability here, trying to be accepted here. Let me just tell you, God accepts you. It is the gift of God. You have been chosen. Somebody shout amen. Number two, you are chosen and you are valuable. Say valuable. You're valuable. You are precious to God. Man, you are more valuable than you. Now, let me just say this. You are extremely valuable. Some of you, you put yourself down. You don't know how valued you are. You're, you're, you're selling yourself cheap, man. Can I be honest with you? You're selling out cheap. When you're more valuable than that, there's greater value in you. And the devil told you there's not a lot of value, but I'm here to tell you, you're priceless before God. How many have ever uh, bought a used book on, online? You just said, I don't want to pay the full value, but I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a buy a used book. But I want, I want the best used book I can get. And usually it'll say, fine. It'll say, acceptable, very good. Some would say, almost new. That's the one I want. I want almost new. And can I just tell you something that you're extremely, you're extremely valued. You're not almost new. You are new. Can you say amen? You belong to God. The Bible says you're holy. Holy means sacred. That's why we say the Holy Bible is special. Whenever you put something holy, it identifies it as extremely valuable. And so how do you determine how something is valuable. How much is something valuable? It determines, what determines the value of how valuable that is, is who owns it. Now, I said this in the earlier service. If you were selling a car on OfferUp, let's just use that example, and you had a Honda Civic, I'm not thinking about anyone in this room. So if you own a Honda Civic, I'm not thinking about you. You own a Honda Civic 2012, okay? That's what, that's seven years old? 2012. You're going to sell it on OfferUp. It's blue. I don't know if you have a blue Honda Civic 2012. If you do, I don't mean you. And so you put it on OfferUp. I don't know, whatever you want to sell it for. But then somebody put the exact same car, Honda Civic, blue 2012, but his name is Leonardo DiCaprio. The movie people here already know that, DiCaprio. That is named DiCaprio. What kind of name is that? Leonardo. Leonardo. Leonardo puts it up. Which car do you think is going to be more valuable? Let's just say Leonardo. Why? Because of who he is. Because of who owned that car. Because he owned that car, it's going to be valuable than your cheap car. Are you with me today? No, I'm not going to call your car cheap. It's going to be more valuable than their car. All right? The reason why is who owns it. Can I tell you who's your owner? Who owns you? It ought to be God. It ought to be the blood of Jesus. You are valuable to him. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says you are a people holy to the Lord. You are his treasured possession. Did you hear that? You're his treasured possession. Another, another word for that, treasured, means a, a precious. You're his precious possession. 
That's how valuable you are to God. Number four, you are chosen and you are loved. Say loved. Man, I'm telling you, there's one thing. People always say, nobody loves me. Can I tell you something? God loves you. God loves you more than anyone in the world. And he loves you with an unconditional love. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you didn't have God's identity, you didn't belong to him, but now you do. Why? Because he loves you. He's not ashamed of you. How many this morning, you have an uncle, an aunt, a sister, a brother, that man, they kind of like, they're kind of weird. Don't look at them right now, okay? But, but, but they just kind of, God, they're, you know, or when they, come to the, when they come to the family dinner during the holidays, you go, oh, uncle so-and-so is here, and you're kind of embarrassed. You know what I'm talking about? How many, how many have some, a relative like that? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're, you're the relative. Anyway. <laughs> You go, no, I don't have a relative like that. You're it, man. That's what nobody told you. Revelation. Anyway, so you're kind of, you're kind of ashamed. You don't want to bring your friends over. You know, your uncle's kind of weird. Your aunt's kind of weird. Uh, you know, all these different things. Can I just tell you something? That God is not ashamed of you. God doesn't look at you weird. God loves you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 said, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with an unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. It's unconditional. It's an unconditional love. He, friend, you can't earn God's love. There, you can't work to get God's love. He loves you the same no matter what. Are you hearing me? He loves you the same no matter what. You know, a lot of us say, well, God stopped loving me. No, God still loves you. He may not agree with what you're doing, but he loves you. Are you listening to me? It's like your children, you still love them. They may not do whatever you want them to do, but you still love them. You still care about them. God had this eternal love for you. The Bible says, Psalm 105, God's love is eternal and his faithfulness lasts forever. Number four, are you ready for this? God has chosen. I'm talking about your identity to be different. God not only chooses you, he forgives you. How many thank God for forgiveness? I mean, God forgives you. It says 1 Peter 2.10, at one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received his mercy. God's forgiveness is total. It's complete. Friend, God is not surprised by our failure. He's not surprised by our shortcoming. He doesn't get on Facebook or Twitter and say, did you see that? Oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. No, God's not surprised about you. He loves you. He's chosen you. Can you say amen? He really forgives you. See, a lot of us this morning, we forgive people, kind of, because then we say, yeah, I forgive you, but then we reserve judgment for a later day. And we pull it out just in case of further sin. Am I right? Say, I forgive you. And then, and, then, and, then, and then they kind of put it in a drawer, in a file, and they tell you, but then when you mess up, they go, oh, okay, yeah, and by the way, don't forget you did this, and, and, and what about that? Oh, yeah, no, for you on iPad, then get this, get that, let's get that, get in that file. Here it is. You did this to me and all this. See, we say we forgive. Can I just tell you something? God's not building a case against you. He forgives you. He wipes the slate clean. Thank God. That's real forgiveness. 
And the last one, are you ready for this tonight or this morning? Because I believe God not only chooses you, but he empowers you. This is the new identity that God gives you. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a royal priesthood. Chosen to tell or talk about the wonderful acts of God, basically. You're called out of darkness. You know what a priest is? A lot of us think a priest is somebody that, you know, uh, puts on a white collar and all that. But actually, a priest in Scripture represents two things. He represents man to God, and he represents God to man. Basically, the Bible says that you and I, as servants of God, we're priests of God. You're God's servant. In fact, we believe in praise chapel that every member in the church is the priest and servant of God. We have hundreds of priests here today. Can you say amen? And I'm, I'm telling you today, we are the person that, that represent God on the earth. We're basically a testimony of God's power and God's grace. We're supposed to be sharing the gospel to others. Look at what Acts 26, 18. You are to open their eyes and turn them from the darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that through their faith in me, they will have their sins forgiven like you receive their place among God's chosen people. So the Bible says you and I are representatives of God on this earth to open the eyes that have been blinded, to share the gospel, to let them know God has empowered you. I said God has empowered you today. So I want to end with this today because I believe that God wants to help us this morning to understand the empowerment that we have. This is why we plant churches. This is why we're planting a church in San Antonio. We're planting a church in Washington. Why? Because we, we believe in empowering people. We believe they have a new identity. Are you listening to me? Don't let people bring an old identity. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I've had people that I, that I grew up with when I was a kid. They're still, they still want to talk to me like, you know, like, man, when I was 13 years old, I'm going, dude, I was 13 years old when I did that. I was 14. I was 15. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, bro, you're this. Like, that's, that's not me anymore. I'm 55 years old. I'm not 15 anymore. You're listening to me. That's not me. I didn't, you know, I don't talk like that anymore. Are you with me? And so people always try to pull you into their old identity if you let them. You got to walk around with God's identity. So here's the thing that I want to share with you. If the worship team can come up real quick as they come this morning. I was looking up what happens when you lose your identity. And the U.S. Federal Trade Commission offers these personal identity uh, uh, tips in case your identity gets stolen. This is what the U.S. Federal Trade Commission tells you to do. Five steps. It tells you, number one, detect it. Duh, I got to find out that I got to realize that my identity has been stolen. So be aware. In other words, it's telling you uh, uh, if you don't know it's been stolen, uh, check, you know, uh, your, your credit card got stolen. You know, you, you be, be aware. Look at your bank account. Check it all out. Number two, be alert. In other words, uh, you can minimize the damage uh, by reporting it to law enforcement and all of that in case your identity is stolen. Number three, you close all of your accounts. If any of your accounts have been compromised, make sure to close them all. Number four, take control of your identity. Change all your passwords, anything that you can that is related to your identity. Again, this is something that they recommend. And number five, 
It says, stay alert. In other words, it could happen again. So stay on the defense. Those are great tips. But I want to say this to you, that if this applies to us spiritually. What do you do when God says, you're not your physical identity has been stolen, but your spiritual identity has been stolen? Number one, do you even realize that your spiritual identity has been stolen? Are you aware that maybe you're walking around and your identity, your true identity in God has been stolen? Number two, alert. Minimize the damage. In other words, pray. Say, God, I, I want my true identity. I don't want to walk around with a false identity. I don't want to walk around with a molestation that tried to change and steal my identity or something that happened in my previous life where I got fired, I got laid off, I got a divorce, I messed up, and I don't want that pressure and those things to identify who I am. Can you say amen? And number three, pay attention to this. You close any accounts that have been compromised or created a false identity. What does that mean? That means that many times if we're not careful, we're one person over here and a different person over here. When we're in church, we're one person. When we're in the neighborhood, we're another person. When we're at work, we're somebody else. And when we're with family, we're somebody else. Stop being a phony. Put on God's identity. What does that mean? That means there are probably going to be some friends that you need to close the account. You need to cut off. Some of these friends, they're fake friends anyway. Let's be honest. Your, your Facebook friends aren't your real friends. Let's be honest. They're not going to be there. They're not going to come over there. They're going to hit a like. They're going to say, oh, praying for you. Oh, yeah. They don't even pray, but they're going to say pray. Yeah, we're, yeah. Prayers up. Prayers up. Yeah, you, you don't even pray, bro. Come on. Prayers ain't going up. We need to pray for you. Hallelujah. I've always seen that. Praise up. Yeah, prayers going on. You don't even go to church. How are you going to even pray? Anyway, I'm not even going to get there. Close account. Number four, take control of your identity. Change the things that you can. Change what's going into your mind. Change the way you think. Are you with me? And number five, stay on the defense. Realize that your identity can be stolen again at any time. Satan is a liar. I told, you, I told you earlier this morning, we're here for God. But how quickly we leave because of the people. Because you listened to the liar. You didn't stay alert. How quickly? We could come to church one day, and in one week, we won't see you again. What happened? You've allowed the devil to rob you and steal from you. Friend, I, I, I'm not, I, I, I've made up my mind. Nobody's going to push me out. Nobody's going to make me go anywhere. I'm here for God. I'm here for life. That's it. So, amen. That's just the way it is, guys. I'm here. What you see is what you get. Hallelujah. This is it. See, I, I've made up my mind a long time ago. I'm planted in the house of God. I'm planting my life in the things of God. I'm not going to let people, things move me, sway me. I'm not going to let wrong priorities sway me. I got an identity in Christ, and I'm keeping it. I don't want the old life. Are you with me this morning? Who are you today? Do you know who you are? God wants to give you your true identity.
Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.